For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's really a question of getting a person who may not be very comfortable with the idea of having their photo taken, showing them something in themselves that they don't ordinarily see, but does weigh heavily on the message they would like to project. Why did I become an executive coach? I saw lots of great people fail to get ahead at work, while their much less talented peers blew right past them. That made me furious, but also curious. What were great people getting wrong? It came down to helping them re-examine what drove success and then helping them make critical shifts one hard truth at a time. Feel like you're doing everything you were told, but you're not moving ahead at work nor having the impact you seek? Then welcome to 97% Effective with Michael Winderoth where we skip feel-good, happy talk and engage experts in pointed conversations about what it really takes to move the needle at work and your career. So if you feel stalled or frustrated or seek that extra edge as you move to the next level, then look no further. This is the Hard Truths Playbook you never got. Hi, I'm Michael Wenderoth, and you're listening to 97% Effective. It doesn't matter how you look on the outside. It's what's inside that counts. Eh, comforting fantasy. The hard truth, in as little as a tenth of a second of seeing your picture, people decide on your competence, trustworthiness, likability, and attractiveness. And that impression, research shows, can carry on over time. So, it turns out, first impressions do count a lot. And that can mean the difference between a potential client or company selecting you or not. So you can say that's not fair and ignore this truth, or you can use that information to make sure that it doesn't cause you to lose out or even harness the power of first impressions to better achieve your goals. Which brings us to our important topic today, your professional headshot. And I'm excited to explore this topic with a real expert on it, Richard Wayne. Richard is a professional headshot photographer whose goal is simple, to elevate your personal brand so you don't lose out. He wants to make sure your headshot works for you, that your unique identity and personality comes out and furthers your professional or personal goals. Be you an actor, corporate executive, seeking to attract clients, or seeking the love of your life. We'll discuss how to get a high-quality, highly effective headshot, considerations, pitfalls, tips, and we'll do that by looking at two before-after examples of real clients, including one of yours truly. That will be interesting, so stay tuned. Richard Wayne is a headshot and commercial portrait photographer who serves diverse clients across the northeastern United States. He's based out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Born and raised in Queens, New York, at a time when shag carpeting was in style, 
He's been a musician from the age of nine, and that has fueled his desire to create. A graduate of Hofstra University, Richard spent the better part of his career in the field of finance before he changed gears. He saw a YouTube video of the famed Peter Hurley, and he decided to make headshots his specialty. Today, he serves clients across the United States, calls Peter a friend and a mentor, and serves himself as a mentor in the famed headshot crew. Richard, excited to have you on 97% Effective today. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's great to be here. Richard, I spent the better part of my career in marketing and healthcare and actually worked in the field of aesthetics and was really shocked when I entered that field at how treatments really transformed patients, increased their confidence, led to lots of great things for them career-wise and personally. Can you share a story from one of your clients you've worked with so many over the years? Absolutely. One of my favorite transformative experiences was a, a client that came to me from the Philadelphia area. And she came to me and told me outright that she hated the way she looked. And I was caught off guard because that was pretty much the first time I'd ever heard that before. And you would expect that I would have heard that a lot. I had not. I didn't quite know what to do with that information. So after some tears on her part, and I settled her down and got her into the makeup chair, everything went perfectly up until the first frame. And then I made an image of her and her name was Ellen. And Ellen's picture was stunning, stunning. The light was just right. Ellen had a problem with the aging process. She didn't like the idea that she wasn't going to remain 18 or 20 years old forever. Who wants to though, right? I mean, aesthetically we do, but it's the age and experience and the wisdom and all the, the things that make our lives so wonderful that we can't be stuck in this moment for the rest of our lives. But coming to terms with that aging process is difficult. After a, a few moments, Ellen looked at the picture on the screen. She wrapped her arms around me, gave me a big peck on the cheek, which I still treasure. And I remember how she felt. And I'm sure that to this day, Ellen remembers how she felt. Huge, powerful feeling. Richard, the obvious question, I, of course, gave my geeky, research-based reason why headshots and first impressions are so important. But you live and breathe this. In your experience, why are they so critical? Sure. And I'm sure I will cover this very point at another point in this podcast. But people might be surprised to know that your headshot's not actually about you. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because you're the person standing there to have their headshot made, but it's really not about you. It's a question of how you are perceived and received by your desired audience. When you flip the script a little bit, it changes the context. How do I want to be received? How do I want to be received and, and felt through, through all of the mediums that I'm, I'm putting that picture on? What message am I sending and in what way am I sending that message? So for me, which you've determined that you need a headshot photographer, my first recommendation is to look at portfolios. 
photography is one of that one of those specialties where you can always see the proven results. They're tangible. They're visual. Look, see if they are consistent. In other words, does every image on that photographer's website or in their portfolio look like one photographer made every image? Because if they're not consistent, you really don't know what you're going to get when you hire said photographer. Does the look, the aesthetic resonate with you? Does it resonate with your brand? Some photographers have different uh, aesthetics and and different styles. And that's great. That's fantastic for them. As long as there's a market for it, fantastic. Provided that those styles and aesthetics meet your needs, move forward in that direction. So I always recommend researching portfolios and then even getting on the phone with that photographer to make sure that they are the right person for you. Personalities, workflows, portfolios, they are all to be taken into consideration. Just like you would hire an attorney or a doctor, you would certainly do that research. I would recommend doing the research for your headshot photographer as well. Do your homework. This is a specialty. Take a look at people's portfolio. And does that resonate with your brand? So Richard, we could talk about headshots, but as we discussed before preparing for this, uh, a picture is a thousand words. And so with permission from your past clients, we're going to actually look at several. For those who are watching on the video, they'll see it. Otherwise, they can click to the link that I'll provide to look at the images and we can talk through what you, being the professional headshot photographer, how you interacted with the client to achieve those results. And we'll look at it before or after. I think this will be quite fun and instructive. So your first client, if we could pull that up on the screen, um, we've got more close-ups here that you can start with. Sure. So this is Lisa. And Lisa actually works with my male clients. So Lisa is a stylist for men. And she works with a company called Jay Hilburn. Fantastic clothing. I love the stuff. They're custom made pieces for people that actually value the way they look and the way clothing fit. As such, Lisa's brand is very important to her, as you might imagine. Mm. And so looking like somebody that's not just contemporary, but super professional and can get along with everybody. We're talking about confidence and approachability, competence and trust. And so that's where I always start my sessions with those four tenets. And so when I look at these images of Lisa, which I I love these images of Lisa, you can clearly see the confidence in her eyes and the approachability in the lower half of her face as well. Now, it's kind of difficult to have just confidence and no approachability. We don't want people looking like serial killers. On the other hand, We don't want a whole lot of approachability where you look like you're going to sell something to somebody. That's usually a turnoff. So we want to come across as friendly, approachable, but like we know something, professional. I asked Lisa for a previous headshot of hers, and she provided this image on the left. Mm. And when I analyzed these pictures, what I think I did so well with the two on the right meaning the middle image on the right, is that we filled Lisa's laugh lines with light. 
And that sounds like a counterintuitive idea for, for women that say, oh, no, you're not going to put that much light on my face, are you? I don't want all of my, my flaws to be seen. Well, it works a little differently. You can clearly see that we filled those laugh lines with light, making them look sh more shallow, not nearly as deep. And so I've never met a woman that's ever said, yes, please make my wrinkles and my laugh lines look deeper. And that's why we do soft, even beauty light. You really notice the difference with the lighting between the befores and the professionally done ones on the right. When Lisa approached you, it was clear why she would want a professional one. What did she not like or, or was satisfied with the previous ones? I, I'm going to say that it's just a stale image. In other words, it was older and it wasn't nearly as effective. However, I'm going to tell you that looking at this image on the left-hand side, it was more of a candid image. Okay. This was a spur of the moment. You can clearly see that she's super excited. Somebody clearly had her laughing before, but we can also see that somebody else was also cropped out of the image too. So she's not really standing on her own. The expression is not necessarily of her own. Okay. And it's probably more excited than I would have liked to have seen a headshot, to be very fair. The other thing that strikes me, Michael, and I think that you'll notice this because if you remember from our headshot session together, her jawline is not nearly as um, pronounced as in the two images on the right-hand side. And that's because her chin is higher and she wasn't instructed to push her forehead forward. So those little elements, they're... they're I guess we would consider them to be nuance, some, some nuances of headshot photography that most folks are not necessarily aware of. So I try to take those elements and make them non-issues. Yeah, they can be a little bit uh, daunting because folks don't really know what to expect, but I try to allay those fears in the studio to make sure that we capture these images in the way they're supposed to with the high quality. And so that process of shooting here, for example, Lisa came in, is this, what type of time frame to get these and how many shots do you take? What, what does the process look like here? The process can be as, as quick as the subject allows. I, I don't really put time frames on my sessions. And the reason I don't do that is because I want folks to feel like there is no pressure in the world and there is no time frame that's going to squeeze that pressure. All I care about is turning out really great images for the people that choose me as their headshot photographer. And so eliminating time is a barrier. So if the headshot session was over in 15 minutes and, and the client was content, then I'm content, right? Provided the images are good. And on the other hand, if three hours does the trick, great, no problem. I try not to let time be a factor. In terms of how many images taken during that period of time, it could be one, and it could also be 300. I really have no way of knowing, but what I do know is that what clients tend to walk away with and how many frames I actually photograph are two very different things. And... You know, clearly Lisa is proud of these and was comfortable and allowed us to discuss and you sharing them here. If, if she were here, what kind of words or what would she call out to people about this process or her headshots? I, I would hope 
that Lisa would tell everybody that she had a great time, that it was easier than folks think it actually is. It's not a daunting experience. You're actually going to laugh a lot. I, I mean, my wife might not believe I'm as funny as I am, but my clients tend to think I'm a pretty funny guy. And, and I really do want that to come through because humor is a great icebreaker. Most people that have to stand in front of a camera do so begrudgingly. I, I know maybe 2% of the population that enjoy it, which means that I know I'm dealing with anxious folks, nervous folks, people from all walks of life, and perhaps they have a stressful schedule too. I don't really know what the personal circumstances are when they come to the studio, but I certainly do my best that when they leave the studio, they're in a lot better shape, feeling better about themselves, feeling better about the experience, and hopefully walking on cloud nine. Right before this episode, we had pulled up these images and you called out and you said, there is one thing that is most important in every photo. What is it? <laughs> Absolutely, Michael. It is your expression. Your expression is everything. Now, if you recall, Michael, and, and all of my other clients will recall, I tell folks that while your expression is the most important thing in a picture, we can't overlook posture either, right? Posture is an important element, but not nearly as important as expression. Why? Because your expression will resonate with people. That is your reputation. When you are not in the room, people will refer to a picture, right? It, it's, what is that old adage about integrity? It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's exactly what your picture does too. That is your reputation. And, and maybe if I can carry it one step further, that's your brand. Not to say the photo is your brand, but how people feel about you when you're not in front of them. That is. And a headshot, a really great headshot, will further that brand. Mm. And because that expression is so important, we chose to show this image. I'm going to pull up that other image with, that we would more typically see. If we could pull that up. Yeah, so this would be the not as cropped. We chose the other ones so you could see it up closer. This would be typical, the, the LinkedIn profile, I guess, where people are typically using that. Anything you just want to call out here before we go look at the other example? Absolutely. So what, what I like so much about the crops here is that we can see some of Lisa's shoulders on the two images on the right. The image on the left, there's very little body, right? Even if there's a sliver I'd like to see a little bit more of that shoulder. Why? And this comes to the idea of why I crop photos too. Notice that all of Lisa's hair are not in the photo. And, and that's by design. I had a client years ago that asked me where the rest of the head was in the picture. And I said, well, the assumption is that you still have your head, but I really adjusted the photo so we could see a little bit more of the information below your neck. In other words, the tie. That tie knot's better information if we already understand what the hair is doing. So that crop is important. Now we get to see more of the shoulder cap and a little bit lower so we have more information what the style of the clothing is. If Lisa was a male, we would certainly see that beautiful double Windsor symmetrical tie knot 
and so on and so forth. So it's all about what information we're trying to provide to the viewer. What I also like, and, and pulling back is also helpful to see how composed and poised Lisa is in the two images on the right, as opposed to the very candid type of frame on the left. Really good illustration, thinking about the perception you want to create, what you want people to feel about your brand. There is one other point that I would like to make, yeah. and, and it does come up often, believe it or not. I am often asked why I only photograph on white, gray, black, and very plain, simple backgrounds. That's not to say that I won't photograph on a color, but I keep those backgrounds clean. And there's a very simple reason why. And Lisa's candid image illustrates that. On the bottom right-hand corner of her candid image, there's what looks like a black blob kind of thing. That's probably somebody else's shoulder in the background. Distracting backgrounds, whether that is a tree in the background, perhaps, or, or something else, will always take attention away from what matters most. And what matters most in a headshot is you. It's your expression. It's how your message is communicated to your audience. So why would I want to muddy up the picture with other distracting elements when bringing focus to your face is most important? Excellent point. You've been listening to 97% Effective with your host, executive coach, Michael Winderoff. If this interview is making you think, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, back to our interview. And that takes us to your other client. I was your client several years back. And so if we can pull up the image, again, the closer cropped up so we can see this closer. The one on the right is the one I use now that I shot with you several years back and a few that were five, seven years, eight years ago as contrasts. And so Richard, take us away here and tell us what you're seeing here. You did not shoot these previous headshots, but walk us through kind of the situation here and things that you want to point out. Sure. Well, I, I'm certainly not going to call your baby ugly here, Michael. But what I will tell you is that, as I noted to you before the show began, there's a, a sense of maturity and poise in the latter shot, the shot that you and I did together, that I'm always in awe of. Right? I loved your poise. When I met you, you were confident as you were, and we reflected that in the images. You know some stuff, Michael. You've been around. You're an educated person, incredibly educated, and you've got a beautiful list of clients. They should receive you as the poised, confident expert that you are. When I look at your other two images, I certainly see a very approachable guy, but there's not as much poise as there is now. That's not to say you weren't confident back then. You probably were. But showing that level of poise and competence is different than actually having it. And so I can certainly respect that. If you recall, and, and anybody that I've actually worked with will certainly recall this, I may not be diagnosed as OCD, but I probably have some of that because I don't let little details go so easily. So things like in that middle image where your shirt's a little bit wrinkled down at the bottom, 
I, I clearly don't enjoy having to deal with that. So I'd rather fix that in the session. And I'm sure that you remember some of the tips and tricks we use to deal with those vertical wrinkles, but dealing with that removes a distracting element. And once again, brings attention to where it's necessary on your face. So I, I think that the image on the left just shows a much younger you. The image on the right shows you that we know and love today. And the middle image we're just going to say is just a passing phase. Well, I, I mean, I will add here that the, the professional image here on the right, you just said it and captured it. It really helped the poise and the confidence come out visually, which does not come out in the, in the left too, like you said, very approachable. And just for some context and history, because I think I'm maybe like a lot of clients who eventually come around to, to really investing in their headshot. The first one on the far left, I was doing work for a corporate client and they had a day they were just taking everyone's photograph. So I kind of hopped in line to get a free one. <laughs> and so it, it looks reasonable, but it was boom, 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 right? People were through not nearly the attention to detail, the preparation when I was working with you. And then the middle one was I was speaking at an event and I had a videographer. And as part of that, he threw in some headshots, which were just you know taken on site. Again, not bad, but now that I come back to what you said before, there is quite a bit of distraction in the back if I was using it for a while as a professional headshot. So feeling much better and love it and use it in many different settings, scenarios, and I believe it has absolutely helped me as well. Um, and, and that process where we work together, maybe we could talk about a couple pieces of it because there was the prep around what clothing to wear, do I need to think about makeup or other things, and then that process of paying attention to detail, lighting, posture. Many pieces in there, but pieces you'd like to call out? Yeah, we can certainly talk about some of that process for sure. So if, if you recall, right, I, I do put a lot of emphasis on prep. What does that really mean? I'm sending a preparation guide to every client as soon as they, they schedule with me. I don't like the idea of hiding things. I want to be as transparent as I possibly can. However, there are some things that I do keep close to the chest until you get to the studio and we begin working together. Having that little bit of surprise, those surprise elements, makes for a little bit more uh, fun. Let's just say a, a fun session. Now, preparation is only one part of things. You're going to get a preparation guide regarding clothing, and you'll, you'll have plenty of other tips and tricks on how to make the most of your session in that preparation guide. And then when you get to the studio and you have all of those things, you find out how quickly having that prep comes into play because I ask you to do things that most human beings would find a little bit weird because it's an uncomfortable type of situation. And then you realize that all of the preparation that we had done ahead of time has just removed elements away from the, the occupying of your brain. I should say it's not occupying the, the brain and it doesn't require brain power any longer. So now you're allowed to, to loosen up a little bit. You're allowing yourself to have a little more fun with it. That being said, 
we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about expression, what makes a good one and what makes a bad one. And most importantly, how I intend to get your face to do what I want it to do. And that's fun. I don't know how most of my clients figured out how I have that much fun, but when they do catch on, they begin enjoying this too. At least I hope that was your experience. So when I started to pepper you with things, I love watching you light up. I mean, it was a great process and we went several hours, uh, a little bit less than that, and shot a lot of pictures, glasses on, glasses off, a couple different outfits. I, I want to ask you, because you did mention in kind of the advance, bring clothing that makes you feel comfortable. You offered kind of wardrobe assistance. When you said kind of bring what you feel is comfortable, are, are there times that the client isn't right <laughs> that you yes. would? Yes. And, and so yes. how do you how do you call that out or, or, or what do you? Right. Okay. I, I'm not going to candy coat it. If, if it's just not worth photographing, mm-hmm. I will glance over it. So basically, he, here's how this works. I ask for options because if it's not in the studio when we photograph, I can't photograph you in right. that clothing. So it needs to be there. The typical rule of thumb that I provide to my clients is if you don't love it, I don't want to see it. And the reason for that is really simple. If you don't love it, what makes you think you're going to photograph well in it? Why would you feel more confident in a piece of clothing that you dislike? But if you love something and you want to wear that, you always feel good in it, you're going to photograph significantly better in that clothing. So that's why that rule of thumb exists. Now, once we have those clothing options set up in front of us, then we're going to go through the options together. And I'll ask the question, which do you love? Hopefully, you'll say all of them. But if you don't, we'll segment the ones that you do love off to the side, and we'll make some strategic choices. This is where I'm starting to get a sense of the kind of vibe that you're after, right? the purpose of the images. Some folks have a very defined purpose. I am an author. It's only for a book. Okay, now we have a little more context. Tell me a little bit more. Or perhaps it's just for LinkedIn. And I say just for, even though that's incredibly important. But if it's for LinkedIn, maybe there is another set of clothing options that works best for the message you're trying to communicate. So I'm trying to couple whatever it is that you're trying to get across to the public with the aesthetic that you're trying to capture for your brand with the images that we turn out. So having that alignment is very important. And and based on that, Richard, are there certain conventions like glasses will, you know, signify or signal intelligence or competence, the tie or the shirt unbuttoned? Are there certain things that you may recommend that are signaling certain things for men or women? Absolutely. So you are correct, Michael. People make snap judgments about us every day. Everything from hairstyles to whether or not we do wear glasses, what kind of clothing we wear, how we carry ourselves. I'm sure it doesn't come as much of a surprise to you that If you wear glasses, typically, and it's very stereotypically, people will think you're an intelligent person, right? On the other hand, high high style, a sense of fashion might signify something of of your, your sexual preferences. And people are making those decisions and judgments about you. They are weighing everything. 
and they're probably wrong, but that doesn't stop them from making the judgments. So knowing that people are predisposed to, to bias, we have to make sure that we are hitting the marks for your message and for your brand, regardless of what that is. I always tell my clients, and I've even put it in my tagline, I have a vested interest in your success. I make headshots for the people that do crave a higher level of success. And regardless of what that looks like in terms of your career path, whatever success looks like for you, communicate to me what you're after, and we will make those images. That very much stuck with me when I was looking at headshot photographers. I saw that on your website. <laughs> and it's very much this conversation I have as an executive coach with my clients. How do they define success? What are they looking to achieve? Richard, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is to say you can take that image and then you could Photoshop and manipulate it. We know magazines do this all the time. Where does one stand on this? Because it's, you know, authenticity is in these days. And so show up as yourself, right? Your body shape, your skin. But you could Photoshop and make me look a different color if I need it to be. Where, where should one be thinking about, should I get Photoshopped? Do you do Photoshop? Where is the sweet spot here to be thinking about? What I remind everybody is that Photoshop is a noun, not a verb. Yeah, we, we should start with the acknowledgement of that. We refer to Photoshop, but really it's the process of retouching or over-retouching. I get that. And, and so, yes, my images do get retouched. What does retouching include? We're, we're polishing up what already exists. We're not changing what exists. Any changes that need to be made are usually light-handed, number one. In other words, are they blemishes? Are they temporary? They get removed if they're temporary. Are they permanent? If you have a scar, we can do something about lightening it, but you don't want to remove it because then we take away your authenticity. We want you to remain true to who you are. Of course, you know, you will possibly come to me and say, I definitely want this removed. Okay. That's completely up to you. You are in control of your brand but I want to present you as you are authentically. So polishing an image, important. Trans transforming it into something it's not, we shouldn't do that. Now, I say that, but just because we can do things doesn't mean we should. And so a judicious hand is, is necessary. I, I want to just, as we end looking at mine, I'm going to pull up the my photographs and just to show how it was used on my LinkedIn, which is the, the kind of primary mechanism. So if we could pull up that image where I've, yeah, it's a little bit smaller here, but if people can see it on the screen, you can see how it makes a huge difference here, kind of stands out. I imagine many of your clients are using their headshots for LinkedIn in professional settings, but anything that you want to call out here? No, I, I love your use of the image, right? You are dead center of that frame. So when, when we deal with our social media platforms, we're usually looking at very small square style images, which are then cropped into the circle through the platforms. So a square image does the job beautifully for these particular use cases. And you're using the real estate properly. Your face is exactly where it should be. The upper third of the frame, 
number one, dead center in this particular square. So folks can not make any mistake about it. That is definitely you. And it's easy to see your face here, right? The other image on the left-hand side, the older style, is more difficult to see and make out your facial features, partially because you're blending into a little bit of the background there, but it's also not nearly as large. Richard, you're not only a, a master of your craft, I alluded to this at the very beginning, you also teach and mentor other headshot photographers. And thinking about this as, as an executive coach, I, I have a, a masterclass group that I work with and I've been mentored by others. In your experience, when you are mentoring other photographers, headshot photographers, what are some of the classic pieces that, that separate a good headshot photographer from a, from a great one? What are the things that kind of elevate one up in this craft? I think honestly, Michael, it, it's very similar to just about every other profession. It's not like there's these ridiculously difficult barriers to overcome other than time, experience, and attention to detail. I've long believed that the, the devil is always in the details. And headshot photography is nuanced. It really is. My mentor, Peter Hurley, has always said it's a game of inches. And he's right. Always has been right. Frankly, I would not have my career that I currently do if not for him. So when he speaks, I listen. And so a game of inches, it, it, it really is. It's nuanced. That's all it really is. I remember when we were looking at images after you had shot them together, it felt like a game of millimeters <laughs> as we were going in and being very picky about things. Richard, you mentioned at the beginning, very good questions to be asking as you consider selecting a headshot photographer. Any piece you want to add here in terms of how someone should pick one, pitfalls that clients often make or potential sure. clients make? Absolutely. I will highlight a, a little bit of an elephant that's not really in this room, but it's usually in the room on a more global scale. Folks tend to believe that cheaper is better because it's more convenient, right? It doesn't hit their, their budget nearly as hard. But I might counter that and say, would you A, negotiate with your attorney or your doctor? I would say both are a bad idea. Number two is that, yes, there are budget constraints, but this is an asset. It's going to gener generate cash flow for you. It is not an expense. You don't just write off the expense. You're actually going to make money using it. As such, you need to treat it like an asset, like it has a real return on investment. So that's where I suggest folks to buy as much photographer as they can afford to buy. Okay, I say that because photographers will price themselves according to where they believe their skill levels are and where their businesses need to be justified so they can actually make a living. That's normal. We expect every person out there to make a living and justify their lifestyle. But photographers price themselves intentionally. Okay, We are not struggling artists. right? Most of us have had lives before we picked up a camera. As you mentioned, mine was, was certainly in finance. And other photographers have started elsewhere. So they are, they are smart. And so they will price themselves accordingly. So the first thing I would recommend, don't just look at budget. 
It's not just about budget and it never is and never should be. Rather, I would suggest looking at the portfolio, figuring out if your personalities will work together nicely, figuring out if you like the workflow that your photographer that you're interviewing has to offer. Okay. Figuring out if this is a purchase with said uh, vendor, whoever that photographer it would be, if that is a purchase worth moving forward with, if you're comfortable with it. Okay. Once you get through those hurdles, then pick up the phone and have a conversation. I can't stress that enough. Right. So many people these days hide behind a computer, right? They're going to go ahead and type till their heart's content, but they're not going to pick up a phone. Most photographers will pick up a phone. And the reason why we do that is because we want you to know what to expect. We want to address your questions. Okay. We want you to feel comfortable with the entire experience from beginning to end. So if you don't call us, we're calling you. <laughs> anyway, when you do speak with a photographer, Ask all of the questions, anything, nothing is taboo. You're going to spend an hour or more with your photographer. You might as well make friends. You'll be surprised. Also, photographers know a lot of people and we enjoy connecting those people. That makes a beautiful network. The, the world is a lot smaller because we connect it with each other. So I would always recommend doing those few things first, right? After you have that conversation and you do feel like it's worth moving forward with that photographer, then tell them so. You can either tell them so by scheduling. Some folks have an online scheduler. I know you you certainly experienced mine. Or you can pick up the phone and say, I would like a session with you. But the worst possible thing that you could probably do when you're working with a photographer is to start to try to negotiate with them. And, and I'll tell you why that's a bad idea. We are not starving artists. Even though photography is an art, there's also a science to it. It's a practiced art. We didn't just get good at it by snapping our fingers and miraculously we're, we're experts in it. We've spent a lot of time and a lot of money to learn what we have learned. And so for us to negotiate on pricing is a real uh, insult, believe it or not. You would not go to a supermarket and negotiate with the cashier over a gallon of milk. Not a good idea to negotiate with a headshot photographer. You may ask them if they offer any sort of incentives or discounts or anything like that. Some photographers certainly do that, but don't go in expecting to haggle. Probably not a good idea. Like an interview process, I'm sure you know interview processes pretty well, Michael the candidate is interviewing the company just as much as the company is interviewing the candidate. The same thing applies here. Yeah. It was a, a great investment. We became friends as part of that process. And here years later, we are talking about the whole science and art of headshot photography because it is also hugely important for my clients who are working in corporate and looking to take their game to the next level. Richard, I want to thank you. Anything that we did not cover? It's my pleasure, Michael. There is one thing I would like to add because you did bring up companies and that's a really fascinating subject, believe it or not. Photographers like myself go on location to offices or conferences and we will photograph teams. Now, the beautiful part about it is that you will always have consistent imagery 
from beginning to end for your new employees, for your existing employees, and presenting that unified team of professionals actually is a winning recipe. If you go to somebody's website or a company's website and all the headshots look a little weird, like they were taken by 20 different photographers, you really don't know what kind of results you're going to get. And you might even wonder, well, do they take themselves seriously? Are they professionals? So having a unified team presented beautifully on a website or anywhere else will actually benefit your revenue stream. So I think that's a pretty important point. Consistency is important. So why get a headshot? What makes a great one? What is the process we should go through? We covered it all today. Richard, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Very much appreciate you joining me today on 97% Effective. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks for listening to 97% Effective, where we skip happy talk and help you break through and ascend one hard truth at a time. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, you can get free resources, including the first chapters of Michael's book, Get Promoted, on his website, www.changwinderoth.com. That's www.changwenderoth.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.